Welcome to Body Matters Podcast, where we bring to you raw and inspiring content on all things to do with body positivity and eating disorder recovery. Welcome back to the Understanding Body Matters podcast. On this episode, we speak with dietitian Amanda, who also runs Made by Mandy on Instagram, which is where I did ultimately find her. She is the best at making delicious and nutritious recipes, but also demonstrating her love for food, which she does also practice when she sees clients um, that are also struggling with eating disorders. She also works along the non-diet approach and haze, so health at every size, which we always appreciate in this eating disorder field. But in this episode, we do speak about overcoming binge eating and what it is, how does someone know if they are struggling with binge eating. We also cover a lot of examples as well because I feel like this eating disorder is not very spoken about. Many people do feel a lot of shame towards this eating disorder and feel they are not worthy of treatment, which we do address a lot in this episode, but it's definitely not the case. Anyone in any circumstance deserves any recovery and treatment that is available so if you want to learn more about what binge eating is how to overcome it please listen and we hope you enjoy so hi mandy welcome to the understanding body matters podcast we're really happy and excited to have you on an episode today excellent thank you for having me i'm looking forward to it amazing perfect so I will just start by telling everyone how I found you, which was by all of your amazing recipes all through your Instagram. (laughs) They have definitely inspired me to cook a lot more, which was made by Mandy. But for those who may not know who you are, what you do, do you want to give a brief background and introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. So um, my name's Amanda and I go by Made by Mandy on Instagram and my website. So I graduated from Flinders University um, here in Adelaide nearly two years ago. So one and a half years ago. um, And I did a Bachelor of Nutrition and Dietetics. So over the last year and a bit, I've been I've worked through throughout a few different private practices, um, just seeing clients kind of in medical centers as well, which has been which has been really fun. And then so doing that kind of dietetic focused work and then on the side doing um, made by Mandy. So that's pretty much just recipes, um, doing a little food photography and recipe development for brands as well. So yeah, it's kind of nice to have that creative side and then do more of that kind of clinical work in in practice. So it's a nice mix. Mm, Definitely. Well, we do ask every guest just to know them a bit better, um, a high and low that you have had this week. Um, well, as possible. Yes. Okay. So my high would probably be um, on Tuesday. I started a new role um, as a dietitian, just part time at a. Um, it's called Sports Med. So mm-hmm. for those of you not in Adelaide, it's kind of like a one stop shop for all kind of like sporting conditions. So there's doctors, dietitians, podiatrists, uh, physios, everything there. So. Um, yeah, so I kind of um, was in touch with one of the dietitians working there um, since graduating uni. And so she just kind of brought me on board um, part time. So yeah, just started there on Tuesday, which has been really exciting. Amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. And then all the oh, I guess, work. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was thinking about this one. My low would probably be that unfortunately daylight savings is ending on Sunday, which I just mm-hmm. love having the like, 
warm evenings like where you can just kind of go on walks after dinner until like 8 30 so I'm a bit sad that that's ending but I guess it kind of makes it even better when when we expect it at the end of the year so yeah I know I was just saying to Amanda before that episode that it's crazy how fast the year has gone especially yeah. I don't I just feel like we haven't enjoyed any sun in summer I, know, I feel like I know. it's just I'm like holding on to the last bit of summer but it's I know kind of already <laughs> I think we've completely lost it though. We've yes, had, I, I haven't agree. had this much rain. I feel like in forever. I don't feel. Like I know. It. Yeah, you've had it a lot worse. Yeah, in mm. Sydney. So I know we we've kind of had it okay, but yeah, I know. I'm just kind of like I just wish it would be summer forever. <laughs> I know. Well, it'll fly by if it's already April now. So That's it. Fingers yep. crossed. <laughs> All right. So I guess we'll just dive straight on in. Which I guess the episode we have today is overcoming binge eating. I guess to start off with all the basics, I guess a lot of people do get it confused what overeating and binge eating is, which we have covered mm. in an episode before. But I think addressing what binge eating is is definitely a good starting place because yeah. a lot of people don't understand what the word binge means. If it is mm-hmm. something that they are struggling with, if a loved one is struggling with it, but what would you classify as binge eating? Yeah. So, well, I think the first thing that a lot of people don't actually know is that binge eating is the most common type of eating disorder. So I think oftentimes we think we hear eating disorder and we tend to think of maybe anorexia, but binge eating is actually the most common, the most common type. So it's pretty much characterized by recurrent episodes of eating large amounts of food within a relatively short amount of time and often to the point of discomfort as well. So there's particularly that kind of feeling of loss of control during a binge episode. So it differs from, you know, if you're going out for dinner or whatever, you're having a meal, you might, you know, be really enjoying the food you're eating more than usual whatever it's kind of just like yeah I'm really enjoying it whereas like a binge it's almost kind of like you lose that sense of control and you almost kind of think like god what is happening to me like I I almost can't you kind of lose the ability or you're less in touch with that ability to stop as well so that's probably the main like characteristic and you often it often gets that point of discomfort as well So, and then I guess in terms of binge eating disorder, it can involve often the use of um, quite unhealthy compensatory measures. So this could be something like purging or exercising after, or especially restricting food intake later on. So that's kind of when we start to see more of that binge and restrict cycle. So it could start off with, you know, something quite, you know, there's not quite such a poor intention about it, like someone thinking, okay, you know, I want to quote unquote, be healthier, you know, it might start off with all good intentions. And then you slowly realize that, okay, you're developing more strict food habits, and you're more like, susceptible to fad diets and things like that. And then you you find yourself in a period of like, quite frequent restriction. And then that restriction, almost kind of leads to the binging where it's where it's kind of like the brain knows that right I'm not getting enough food in it's almost kind of going to into this kind of starvation mode mm-hmm. and it's like right whenever I am you know in a in having an experience where there is lots of food and I'm letting myself have this food it's almost kind of like the brain doesn't want to stop because it it knows that right when I stop then I'm going to be restricted again so how can I almost make the most of this so there's a lot of kind of emotional and behavioral um 
kind of, I guess, different uh, different emotional and behavioural side effects that that kind of influence it. So yeah, it's it, it is it's kind of a big one to wrap your head around at, at first. Mm, definitely, I would say the restriction part. Would you say that if you do see clients, it is it mainly starts from them restricting their diet where it's that constant cycle where we're restricting so much that they eventually give in and then it's that cycle that goes on. Do you think that's where it generally starts? Yeah, I think so. And especially like we see even, you know, for some clients, they might not realize that they're, you know, explicitly restricting. So they, they come to me and they say, oh, okay, like I'm still having my three meals a day. I'm still having my snacks. And, you know, on paper, it might not look like they're restricting, but it's about like, okay, are you, what kind of foods are you actually choosing to eat during those three meals a day and those snacks? You know, you might be restricting the types of foods that are on offer. So say if, you know, oh, I'm really craving like a, you know, a bowl of cereal with some banana and nut butter or whatever, but they might be having just kind of like a really sad portion of something else that, you know, they're still restricting their options, but yes, on paper, they're still having a meal. I think it's kind of more insidious when it comes to that form of restriction, because yes, they might still be having all their meals and snacks a day, but it's more of that kind of mental restriction as well, or like letting yourself kind of choose what you think will satisfy you in that moment. So yeah, I definitely think that it kind of tends to start with that initial behavior of restricting and then, you know, trying to figure out, okay, why, why am I binging if I'm still, you know, feeding my body but it's kind of about like okay what are some of the other ways that you're restricting so they're they're kind of a little bit harder to detect but they certainly do play play a big role in in the binge episodes later on absolutely I think it's hard to find especially people that are struggling with eating disorders find that middle ground where I guess they are satisfied with what they're eating without them restricting in a way Mm -hmm. I feel like I hear about it all the time but it's absolutely I guess finding that love food, which is hard for someone struggling with an eating disorder as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think also like, yes, there's kind of your food restriction, but then there's so many different, um, so many other types of restriction you could have like time restrictions. So just, Mm. you know, making sure that you eat during certain times or can't have breakfast or lunch before or after this time. So it might not just be about, you know, what you're physically eating, but even those kind of other more like insidious rules, I guess, that that do play a part. Yeah, definitely. Would you say that are, what, what would you say the main risks of binge eating are? Like the long, are there any long-term risks involved with binge eating? Yeah, well, I guess, I mean, the number one thing that I think of is it, it just kind of like, it kind of damages your relationship to your food and body and and even potentially your relationship to movement as well in the long term. Because I I guess when you're starting off from a place of restriction, it's hard to not um, think of foods as good and bad. And you kind of, you start to develop these, you know, quite damaging food rituals and these, you know, and I guess a lot of it, you know, has, has been, I guess, thrown in our face due to diet culture and things like that but it's almost kind of like we develop a really untrusting relationship with our body and we feel like we just don't have any control over our actions and we we had this fear over okay if I'm not kind of you know regimenting and overlooking every single thing I 
put in my body or every single thing I feed myself, then, then something bad is going to happen. So it kind of, yeah, I think that loss of trust and that loss of control you know, internally is something that can just, yeah, really cause so much stress and emotional havoc on us in the long term as well. Mm, definitely. Do, do I guess with binge eating, a lot of the time, a lot of people hear those individuals struggling with bulimia as well. Is mm. it, would you say bulimia is probably the most linked in disorder in relation to binge eating? Or have you seen other clients that it's, I guess it differs everyone's recovery journey and eating disorder is mm. most definitely different anyway. But yeah, do you say most of the time bulimia is involved when someone is struggling with binge eating disorder? Um, I would say, yeah, it is quite, it is quite frequent. Like they kind of do pair up together, mm. but then also by all means, like I've had a lot of clients who have just kind of come to me with binge eating. They don't, you know, they might have purging in the form of, you know, intense exercise afterwards, or they might not. So I guess it's kind of just like to say, you know, whether, you know, if you do struggle with binge eating and you don't purge, it's, you know, your your struggle I guess is equally as valid regardless of whether you know you're engaging in those compensatory measures so I mean it can definitely be paired with it and I think as well that it can make it you know difficult it's almost kind of like that band-aid that has to be ripped in terms Mm -hmm. of like okay we're going to give up on this purging is is even is even harder um, and it's trying to kind of like trying to look at, okay, what are some other coping mechanisms that we can use and we can have in our toolbox so that when we do feel, you know, super uncomfortable after a binge, we've got something else to kind of draw on as opposed to those more un- unhealthy measures. Yeah. I feel like with people with binge eating, they, a lot of the time from where we've seen with clients, they compare themselves to people that are struggling with anorexia or they may yes. be a bit skinnier than them, but that doesn't mm. minimize the fact that they are struggling with the eating disorder. I feel like it does yeah. often mask the fact that they are struggling with an eating disorder. If absolutely, like I think yeah, most absolutely. people think eating disorders, they think a lot of people it's very st- stereotypical and it's not mm. like no eating disorder comes in one shape or size. I think it's that's it. Definitely yeah, important to note that as well. Hundred percent. Yeah. And the stereotype, you know, it, that's what it is. It's a stereotype. It's an inaccurate representation of what the the illness is. So I think for a lot of people, particularly, you know, there might be even some kind of taboo around binge eating disorder. It's it's almost, you know, sadly to say that anorexia can sometimes be, you know, the glorified eating disorder because on, you know, stereotypically someone suffering with anorexia, you know, is you know, underweight and things like that. But we know that now to most certainly not be the case. You know, you can be struggling with binge eating disorder or anorexia at any shape and at any body size. And, you know, regardless of your shape or your weight or anything, or, you know, how long you've been suffering, that doesn't change, you know, how worthy you are of recovery or Mm -hmm. I guess how difficult your own, your own experience has been. So I think, yeah, there's, there's certainly, I think, unfortunately another element of shame with binge eating disorder that just doesn't get spoken about as much but I guess you know from my point of view and just to to let people know that regardless of what your diagnosis is or even if you have or don't have a diagnosis because that can be really you know challenging to receive as well everyone's still still worthy of receiving treatment and I think that kind of ties into that 
eating disorder mentality of I'm not sick enough or there are other people, yeah. you know, sicker than me that deserve to get help or, you know, I'm I'm not, you know, struggling immensely. Like I can still kind of function day to day. Therefore, I'm not sick enough. And it's almost kind of like I think if even one aspect of your quality of life is impaired, like, you know, if just one small thing that you want to improve and you and you think could be better then then you're worthy of of getting that help so I think that's just super important because a lot of people can just kind of play down their own experiences and think you know there are people worse off than me which is yeah quite quite sad Mm, and quite common unfortunately yeah very common yeah exactly I guess there is no one answer to this I know that it's always different depending on everyone's recovery journey but if someone is struggling with binge eating disorder, what, I guess, how can they overcome that binge episode or what strategies do you suggest that they can implement within their recovery journey? Yeah. Um, Well, I think the first thing that comes to mind is kind of like backtracking and I guess zooming out and and assessing your own relationship to food. And it's kind of like doing a lot of that groundwork to kind of rewrite, you know, how how you interpret food and what your what your relationship with is to food. So I guess that can include, you know, knowing that no foods are off limit and really neutralizing foods. So remembering that there's no such thing as a good or bad food. So kind of detaching those labels from food. I think that's a really important thing because it's almost as though sometimes if we're presented with a food that is quote unquote bad, the eating disorder is going to be like, right, this is a bad food, but you're in a binge episode. So you're allowed to have it, but because it's a bad food, you know that it's going to be restricted soon. So it almost kind of puts that brain into you know the thought process of right it's all or nothing now like you have to have it all now because you know it's not going to be available later and I think trying to kind of neutralize those foods and knowing that right I have permission to eat all foods you know no foods are off limit any food and every food can be part of of my diet and I think you know it's it's a lot easier said than done. So that might kind of be where working with a health professional or a dietitian or a psychologist might be a bit helpful when it, when it comes to actually putting that into practice and, and implementing that, that strategy. But I think, yeah, first of all, kind of doing that groundwork on like, right, what does, what does food mean to me? What does, you know, what is this label that I've attached to food, you know, for, for the past, however long and kind of trying to rewrite that internally. Mm. And I guess also trying to kind of have, I guess, replacing that guilt and shame that you do feel after, after a binge or, or even after a period of restriction with self-compassion and understanding, because it can be so hard, especially post binge, you feel, you know, quite uncomfortable and those feelings of guilt and shame seem to just be flooding your mind. But I'd encourage people to, you know, as hard as it is to try and sit with and sit through those intense thoughts and think about, okay, what, what do I think has led me to my binge? You know, perhaps, perhaps I subconsciously was restricting and didn't realize perhaps I had a busy day and didn't get to fit in all my snacks. And that body kind of went into an energy deficit, you know, just on that daily basis. And you kind of triggered those, those thoughts and those behaviors again, or, or maybe it, 
it was something more emotional, like you had a stressful day at work and for so long you've used kind of that binge and restricting um, cycle as that coping mechanism. So I guess rather than expecting yourself to change the behaviour right from the start, you know, like, okay, I need to stop binging, I need to stop binging, maybe try and look at, okay, how can I, how can I add more tools to the toolbox? To the toolbox and really reflect on on how I'm feeling post binge and and you know what's kind of led me to this point as well. Mm. Would you say mind mindful eating would definitely play a big part in that as well? I guess it yeah, does relate yeah. back to sitting in with your emotions and thoughts when you are. Or I guess it is hard to figure out if you are in that cycle because it is often after mm. when you do realize it's that whole cycle has occurred. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I definitely think mindful eating has a place. And I remember I was watching um, another dietitian in this space as well. And she was kind of talking about, she was kind of saying like, right, you know, you could be in a binge, but if you kind of just engage in those mindful eating, you know, thoughts and, and those kind of strategies, you could still be in the binge, you know, you could let your body have that binge, but you're almost kind of like thinking, right, I know I'm in a really like stressful time and this, you know, this is what I want right now. And it's almost kind of like you might have the same result, but you might be, you know, changing your mindset around it. So you might still engage in that binging episode, but if you're kind of sitting with it and thinking, right, I know what I'm doing, you know, this is why I'm doing it. Okay. Like you're kind of like working with it a little bit. It helps to kind of tune into more of that, feeling of right I've got this I know why I'm doing it and so you're not you're not as much I guess engaged in that what am I doing um I feel like I can't stop so you're you're a bit more in tune with your actions even though the actions might not change at the end of it if I hope that makes sense it's kind of like yeah really using that that mindfulness and not having too much pressure for it to change the the actual you know experience in the start as well Mm. Just being aware of the whole situation, I guess. 100%. That's it. Hmm. The next question I had would be, if someone was struggling with binge eating, what treatment options do they have available? I guess what it involves. Yeah. So I guess um, in terms of, I guess, the goals for treatment of binge eating disorder, we would want to you know, try and reduce the binge, binge eating and support, support them to eat more regular meals and to figure out, right, you know, if I'm not, if I'm not engaging in as much restrictive eating, what are some other restrictive tendencies that I'm engaging? So kind of just trying to figure out all of those and then work one by one to try and get rid of any kind of instance of restriction. And then I guess long-term to help foster that healthier relationship with food and and movement and, and body and kind of keeping, keeping all of them, I guess, detached from one, one another. So, you know, food and movement they're two different things neither need to be you know done to outweigh the other um and then I guess also focusing on addressing um related emotional factors so there's often lots of um, anxiety or low self-esteem even depression that can be involved in uh, any eating disorder including binge eating disorder so looking at um different ways that we can address that and try and improve it um, and focusing on healthier coping mechanisms as well so I think working with a team of health professionals like a GP um, a dietitian psychologist or a psychiatrist can really help to kind of foster that that care as well and then I guess um, 
you know, on the other hand, there's also inpatient treatment, which might be required um, perhaps when a person needs medical or psychiatric stabilization, um, stabilization and more of that kind of nutritional rehabilitation as well. So there are, there are a lot of different options and I guess it also depends on, you know, access ability as well to to those kind of treatment treatment options as well but I think definitely trying to kind of get to the basics of all right why why are we binging you know what's kind of the the leading factor as well and kind of trying to uncover that absolutely I 100% agree I think this whole episode definitely covered what it is and what it involves but I guess it's definitely putting I guess the spotlight on people with suffering from binge eating disorder, because it is important to acknowledge that it is worthy. They are worthy enough to access treatment. Yes. Even yep, if they don't absolutely. view it as something that is, I guess when someone is going through a binge, they don't see it as necessarily unhealthy or becoming a risk compared to mm. a lot of the other eating disorders that are available, not available, but people struggle yeah. with, which is unfortunate, but I think we're slowly getting into a place where it is being acknowledged and spoken about, which is really good as well. Yeah, absolutely. I guess my final question was, where can people find you if they do want to look you up as well? Yeah, so um, I guess my main platform is on Instagram. So it's at madeby.mandy. And then from there, um, I've got like my website, um, uh, in the bio and then if you are wanting to book in a session um, so I'm based in Adelaide but I work at a few different clinics and we also offer um, telehealth via zoom as well so um, if you wanted to get in touch about that just feel free to send me a dm on instagram so yeah through my instagram is probably the best place to find me because then you've just got links to everything there so yeah Yep, I will also leave links and everything in the show notes below so that it is easily accessible when they do listen. But thank you so much for speaking with us today. Um, I've definitely learned more on the topic as well. And I hope anyone that is listening is able to get gather more information about the topic if they are struggling with it themselves or know someone that is struggling. So I think you've definitely provided a lot of insight for others who may not be fully aware of the topic. So thank you. Thank you. No, I really enjoyed discussing it. And yeah, thank you for having me on. So that was our episode with Amanda. We really hope that you were able to understand a little bit more about what binge eating disorder is. And I guess how common this eating disorder is without many people understanding that they are struggling from it themselves. So we hope that you were able to gain insight on strategies that can help overcome these issues, the treatment options available, but also understand if this is something that you are struggling from, it is most certainly an eating disorder that you can overcome, an eating disorder that is worthy of treatment. You are definitely worthy of treatment no matter what circumstance or situation you are going through, which Manny did touch on, which we really loved in this episode. So we hope that you were able to learn a little bit from this episode and did enjoy it. But if you did, please leave us a review. If you have any other topic that you would love incorporated in our podcast, please email podcast at bodymatters.com.au and we'll be sure to try and incorporate that. So we'll speak to you in two weeks time.